Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi there, welcome to the final episode of Series 9 of Rahalaspa Rahalaspa with Ellis James. I know a lot of you have been looking forward to this one and you won't be disappointed, it's really good. Uh, if you like these podcasts and want to help us to make more, we're currently doing a Kickstarter to make the video episodes of this. Go to gofasterstripe.com slash kickstarter. We're getting really close to the target and there's some lovely rewards there as well. Uh, emergency question books, t-shirts, access to the secret channel with extra interviews. So you might want to pay for those anyway and then that money will be planned back into making more podcasts if we hit our target and get over it we'll just put the extra money into the next series so that's all very exciting series 10 is shaping up really fantastically we're recording them from the 3rd of october go to nestasquaretheatre.com to buy tickets the first show will have armando yanucci and hans chuan two of the hardest comedian names to say in all of christendom it seems uh, the 10th of october we have dane baptiste uh, the 17th of october we have chris addison uh, 28th of november we have david Bedil. we're putting in new names all the time the 31st of october looks like a very exciting one so go and buy tickets for that uh, we're recording more as it occurs to me as you may know uh, there's a free audio 
audio extra bonus thing that's gone up on the feeds at iTunes and the British Comedy Guide if you want to hear some of that for nothing uh, if you want to come and see us perform those live that would be terrific go to leicestersquaretheatre.com and the 16th of October is the next one there's plenty of tickets left uh, and all, all the money we get from the door from that one will be ploughed right back into making more sketches and it's a lot of fun I think to come and see it so please come along if you can and I am on tour with my new show The Best it's a best of show 90 minutes of my favourite material you can see all of those tour dates on my website richardherring.com in fact if you go to richardherring.com slash the underscore best slash tour you can see if I'm coming near to you uh, and uh, you can book ahead now for most of those dates I'm playing Sheffield on the 6th of October Manchester on the 2nd of November and Bridgewater on the 8th of December so I will see you at those I hope uh, anyway thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy this final episode of what I think has possibly been the best series of which Trains are Square Theatre podcast but that's not for me to say is it ladies and gentlemen welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre please welcome a man who is renowned for his professionalism it is Richard Herring <laughs> Hello, welcome to the show. That walk is generally the walk that my uh, daughter, my 17-month-old daughter, if you tell her off, she walks in a sarcastic way. Now. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, she's much funny. I must get her on to do this. She could take over from me. That would be good. Uh, welcome to Rich Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. I was out um, in the streets and there was a 40-year-old man in a suit playing Pokemon Go. And uh, he... <laughs> But he called this uh, rehearsed of us. I don't, know if that's, I don't know if that's catching on. It seems to be catching on. Uh, it's the last show in the, in the, this current series. But uh, but we'll be back in October with more. I don't know. This this one might be going out after the other one started. So there's loads of fantastic uh, new guests going to be and old guests I expect uh, coming back for the next series. So do look out for that, people at home. Uh, got you again. Tricked you by waiting for the show. Uh, but uh, we'll just say goodbye to lot, lots of There's our audience this week. There's got a lot of people in there for, to see such rubbish people. It's, it's, I wish I understood what made you want to buy tickets to this. Because if you could just send me a list. There's a man waving over there. Even though I wasn't pointing the camera out. I was, uh, the camera was over there and he started waving. But then, you know, you can see, there he is, it's really, you're going to be famous, mate, that is, people are going to be stopping it, thumbs up, that was as well, there we go. Uh, you got your hat on indoors? Yeah, how's that, how's that working out for you? Is all, your head's warm? Yeah, that's nice. It's always a, a risk, that, because it can turn out to be because of some terrible disease. But I, I, did, I did see you last week and you were all right, so, you know. Uh, hello, ladies, how you doing? Are you having a nice time? What, what's uh, brought you along to Rich Sharing's Leicester Square Theatre podcast this week? Well, we're on holiday. You're on holiday. Where have you come from? From the United States, from Texas. They're from Texas? Do you know, does this go out in Texas? <laughs> have, you heard, have you heard the podcast before? Have you just, you were walking around Leicester Square and couldn't think of anything to do? No, we watch it. You watch it like it in Texas? <laughs> what's been, uh, must be confusing with all these nobody British comedians we have. Like, we're having on. Chosen a very bad week to come and sit. What, what's your name? Karen. Karen, and what's your name? Sarah. Sarah, that's very, very confident, aren't they? Uh, are you going to vote for uh, Donald Trump in the upcoming elections? Yeah, that's what, that, that's what they all say. I bet you Texas votes for him. I bet you anything you like. Uh, so. <laughs> well, thanks for coming over. It wasn't just to see us, though, right? No. No. <laughs> that's not we're international. That's the thing, it's international. It was everywhere, David. 
You have no control over it. I mean, I wouldn't let Texans listen to it. If I had... If there was a filter I could put on it, I wouldn't... I would keep them out. Just the kind of guy... Build a wall? Could I could build a wall, David. That's real. Very good. I had the same thought, but you beat me to it, and that is why... I am a professional comedian. It was uh, a three-year-old child, is funny than me, and a nuclear physicist. Strange. I think I might be in a hospice. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't think this even happened the first time. I think this is just me inventing scenarios of what I, how I wished my career had gone. And this is what I wished for. This is better than whatever I actually did. So, uh, look, we're going to crack straight on. It gets surreal, doesn't it? Going to crack straight on. Our, our next, our final guest of the series. We've literally saved the best until last. <laughs> Apart from David Cross and uh, oh, pretty much everyone else we've had on it. Uh, is... No. <laughs> oh, no, I was forgetting, like, Matthew Crosby and Nish Kumar. You're better than them. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> he is probably best known for his appearance on 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Deal or No Deal... Well, probably why you've come over from America to see him. <laughs> do, you have eight or, uh, do you have eight out of ten cats in Texas? No. Do you have, uh, do you have ten cats in Texas? <laughs> yeah. Then you probably do have eight out of ten cats. It's confusing, this. It must be confusing. It's a confusing. It must be confusing. For you. Ladies and gentlemen, Alice James, Alice James, Alice James, Alice James. Thank you very much. Come in. I'm... I'm drunk on tiredness. Very popular, oh, very popular young man. Too kind. That's very nice. So, uh, what do you remember about? Uh, let's get that out of the way. Out. Ten, ten cats does deal or no deal? What was, what was your part in? The, um, I in the... had, I'd had probably the heaviest night out of my life, mm. the night before, um, and was in no fit state to be on a panel show mashup. Right. <laughs> Um, and I don't know if it's available online, but I say literally nothing. <laughs> I, <laughs> I open my box and I let the box do the talking. Yeah. So I, had, I don't know, I, was, I had five pence or something. Yeah. And they said, uh, you know, Ellis, open your box. And I just went. <sighs> <laughs> and, uh, I, and, and, and it was, I, from what I remember, there was a mix of. Sort of friends of the of Sean Locke and John Richardson, right. who tended to be comics, and a, and some sort of you know normal people, yeah. <laughs> civilians. Yeah. And um, one of the civilians was eighty five, and they had to get her a chair, and they had to get me a chair. So there were, <laughs> so, there were you know there were twenty people opening boxes, and yeah. only two of us had chairs. <laughs> Was, uh, was Noel Edmonds part of this jamboree, um, or was it? Uh, was uh, yes, he, yeah, was I think he, he. No, it must. Have, yeah, it was Jimmy. I did. I used to do warm up on Deal or No Deal, right? As in on the on the real. Yeah, program. we had a few of those. Guys, uh, yeah. yeah, and um, but it wasn't Noel. It was uh, it was it was Jimmy. I think. Right. But the only the only times I I mean I oh god on the evening itself. I got very few laughs. The only laughs I got was every now and then I'd ask to go to the toilet and they'd, they'd say no. <laughs> None of which made the edit. Um, and then Nick Helm asked to go to the toilet and that did make the edit. And obviously they had to make a choice. Who's going to be the toilet guy? And he's already got anger. Yeah. But I, they, yes, they, they took the toilet stuff away from me. And, um, 
It didn't become a recurring one, though, did it? Like, the, the countdown one is, is kind of... No, I mean, um, I mean, part of the blame for that lies at my door. I think uh, it probably does. <laughs> I can't imagine Noel Edmonds would like this happening. That's why yeah. I think. That's See, why I don't think he was asked to be involved. He's an interesting but... one, Noel Edmonds. Yeah. Because when you, when you, obviously, I've met him, yeah. having done warm-up. And when you meet him, sort of up close, uh, he looks like a lion. Um, who's who's gone to a fancy dress party dressed as a man. (laughs) You're sort of half expecting a sort of tail to to swish out of his slacks. Yeah. But, yeah, incredible posture, because he's only about five foot eight, but he really makes the most of it. (laughs) I was disturbed when his beard changed colour, and it was never really mentioned. Yeah. He became more sort of... Pantomime villain. Yes, it did. And then, and then he did. He did the Halloween episode dressed as a lion tamer, which really <laughs> fucked with my mind. <laughs> Interesting man. So, um, I was. It was interesting. I was as a student of this podcast. I was trying to work out which of the obscure things I've done yeah. you were going to choose. I thought you might have gone for Thawap Blau. Uh, I didn't spot that one. It was a, a Welsh language uh, puppet show for the under fives. I wrote. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> which was a it was a standard comedy club but set in a zoo and all the animals so very capable compere was a lion yeah and then the, the monkey was talented but very nervous so, so, and then and then yeah got ten episodes out of that idea that and um, yeah Thawap Blau literally Thawap Blau was that's yeah. the name of the compere literally translated that means lion son of hair <laughs> but uh, yeah. maybe if you hadn't done it in Welsh it would have done better <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, if you're looking at it purely as a numbers game. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's Ra Ra, the noisy lion, who's one of my least favourite um, of my daughter's oh, shows she watches. I haven't seen that. My daughter's very similar age yeah. uh, to yours, and um, but my daughter's hugely into Peppa Pig, obvious. Yeah. The, the, the Beatles of that sort of world. <laughs> um, and, uh, and Bing, who I think needs to fucking grow up here. Yeah. I don't know if you've... <laughs> Have you seen Bing? I have seen Bing. He well, is such a whiner. Well, <laughs> Mark Rylance is, plays his carer. Yeah. The, the, the Shakespearean is... Oscar-winning actor. Yes. Who's the big friendly giant, and he also plays... Yeah, he does. His knobhead or something um... he's called. So it's a very odd world, because it's... Um, they're these uh, children. They're, they're basically toddlers. They're all different yeah. animals. Yes. Bing is a... Uh, he's a rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. got... Yeah. But then they're looked after by carers yeah, who, are, the, who are cloth dolls. But the, the carers are all cloth dolls, yeah. yeah. And one of the cloth dolls in the English version is West Caribbean. Yes. And uh, from the West Indies or from the Caribbean and, and in the Welsh language version, because my daughter watches both, okay. uh, she is from Kevin Thin in the Gwendraith Valley and it's very different. Okay. Sort of <laughs> <laughs> slightly different vibe. I did mean to... St- I did mean to... St- I did mean to start, because you are from a, another country, I did mean yeah. to start by speaking in Welsh to you. I'd have absolutely yeah. loved it. Hello, it's me. <laughs> I am from Wales. Hello, would you like some seaweed? That's oh. my... Uh... Oh, you've obviously been to get me thin. It's pitch perfect. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I could do the whole interview like that if you like. If you would, yeah. <laughs> it would sort of make me feel at home. It would be offensive not to, wouldn't yeah. it? So, um, <laughs> I could hum my accent up a bit and do it back if you want. I don't know if that would make render the whole thing unmissable. Thank good. you for having me, Richard! 
It's easy Welsh, isn't it? It's, it's an just... absolute pleasure to be here! <laughs> it's an easy language to learn Welsh, that's what I've discovered. Yeah. Uh, you were born in Haverford West. Yeah, Withybush. Isn't the Labour Ward there anymore? Fact fans. Oh, okay. No, if you're, a, if you're pregnant in Pembrokeshire, you've got to drive to Carmarthen. Wow. There's a place. <laughs> well, Haverford Probably West. There'll be more of this. <laughs> Haverford West, as you know, is the lowest affordable point uh, on the Western Cladow, or however you say that. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, it, and, it, uh, and it's also the birthplace of Rhysi Evans, the actor, even though he was brought up in Rhythin, North yeah. Wales. Uh, I could do this literally all night. And <laughs> what, did you ever visit Merlin's Bridge when you were there? Did I ever visit Merlin's Bridge? <laughs> yeah. Mate, there's a fucking creamery there. Is there? So, yeah, occasionally, from time to time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like, what I like about it is all the names. There was, like, someone called Wizzo who lived there. <laughs> oh, no, it's, like, it's like... There's a place called Merlin's Bridge. Merlin's and that Bridge, is... yeah, used to, yeah, it flooded, late 80s. Merlin's um, Bridge. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and the creamery used to make our back garden smell, but then they, they changed the filters in the mid-80s. Okay. So that's not something really I really remember, but my dad doesn't half stop... <laughs> And I've stopped banging on about it. So what, how old were you when you left? Uh, I was uh, about 11, and then okay. we moved to Carmarthen. Yeah. Which is uh, Do where you my think the cable stage bridge across Blue Street was worth £2.8 million pounds in Carmarthen? I thought it's revitalised Blue Street, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> because Blue, Blue Street, to be honest, yeah. not my words, the words of my grandmother, had gone to the docks. Right. <laughs> uh, so it's something needed doing, and I'm, finally, I'm glad they've done it. It was just, it was just, yeah, it was just a sort of, it was just a bus station that, yeah. and a and a, 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 um, a chicken shop. But now it, the place is the place is thriving. Yeah, well, they won an award that bridge. I mean, two point eight million is a lot for a bridge, though, right? Well, I mean, when you think it's probably going to stand for the next fifty or sixty years, and as I said, it's revitalised Blue Streets. <laughs> it's right. chicken feet. Did you ever see Nicky Stevens of Brotherhood of Man in Carmarthen in town when you were... Uh, no, I didn't, but Matthew Stevens, a suka player I was in primary school with, and he used to wear tassels on his shoes. Did he? <laughs> Is he related to Nicky Stevens from Brotherhood uh, of Man? No, I don't think so, but it's such a... <clears throat> it's, a it's a sort of... It's a real talent spot, Carmarthen. It is. Um, so, don't, because I'm only going to name all of the notable people who were born there. So obviously Nicky Stevens from Brotherhood of Man, and then you've got Matthew who is, Stevens. by the way, the only Welsh person to ever win the Eurovision Song, Eurovision Song Contest. Really? Yeah. Did Bonnie Tyler not? Ah, oh, she's too big, I suppose. By the time she never won the Eurovision Song Contest. No, she'd be a fish to fry, didn't she? Really? Yeah. BT. Only Welsh person. You think out all the people who sing in Wales, <laughs> and just one person's won the singing contest in Europe. Yeah. Prejudice, isn't it? I feel... Oh, Michael Ball. Oh, he's not actually Welsh, is he? He just... hasn't won the Eurovision Song No, he, 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 he represented Britain in nice I'm not talking about representing. I know, I know. Millions I know. of Welsh people had a go, but only yeah. one has been deemed human enough to win that. And she well, had to have three other blokes. Well, you see, the, the problem is, if, if, um, if it was done at the Commonwealth Games and we were able to represent ourselves rather than be part of the colony of Great Britain... Yeah. We'd make a good fist of it, you see, yep. but um, sadly we've been subsumed by, uh, you know, England with the dominant partner when it comes to uh, British Eurovision entries, because, yeah. um, I mean, I, 
you don't really want to get me on this um, down this up, avenue. I've, I've because, opened a can uh, of worms. <laughs> yeah, you've it's mainly the Eurovision that's the problem with the... Yeah, but, you know, I'll, I will talk about it because it is something <laughs> I do feel quite passionately about. Name some of the famous people. What about the Ramsay Bolton was born in... Do you at school with Ramsay Bolton? Well, if you want, you if you want famous in... people from Carmarthen, mate. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> John Nash, the, the architect of uh, Regent Street. Yeah. Spent some time in Carmarthen. <laughs> He, 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 I think he was boring, but he, he did live in Carmarthen. But he designed Regent Street Piccadilly. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I, I can see that you're being slightly sort of disparaging towards my John Nash. Well, I'll, you know, I've given you John Nash, and now I'm raising you. Genuinely, Wikipedia it, the inventor of the ball bearing. <laughs> was from Carmarthen, yeah. Wow. Rod Gilbert. Rod Gilbert. My mum worked with his dad. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, what, what were they doing? Uh, they worked at Trinity College, uh, the sort of... University yeah. and um, <laughs> uh, and um, is it a university or is it a sort of university? It's well, my mum works there and she will lose her mind if I say that it's a sort of university. But it really is a sort of university. <laughs> uh, but uh, oh, come on, then. John Nash, uh, uh, Matthew Stevens, the snooker player. Um, I mean, uh, Emir Tara Lewis, the Welsh rugby international, went to my school early nineties. Not interested in rugby. Okay, all right then. Neither am I, actually. I just... I'm, I'm scraping the barrel. Um, oh, Sophie D, the pornographic actress. Oh, really? Come on, then. Yeah, yeah. I thought that might be more up your street. I don't really like... Um, I don't really like porn stars who are indigenous to the United Kingdom. <laughs> Puts, I think I could probably make it like a sort of reverse Brexit. <laughs> I don't. It puts they, you know, me off. They're, they're live, being brought up here and <laughs> taking that job. I like it. Just there's something. It's more English, I have to say. I think the, the, well, you don't like English pornographic. Yeah, I think the, I find the Welsh accent very sexy. And my first girlfriend was uh, Welsh. I think. I'm oh right, so. where was she school. from? She was from uh, the Rhondda Valley. We, we, yeah, that's a very broad church. <laughs> Which village? She was from. <laughs> no, I, do, I would remember. No, she was from Merthyr Tidville. Oh, lovely yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Quite that. So started on Merthyr Tidville. <laughs> um, so, and I like Rebecca from CBBS, who's also Welsh. She's yeah. my favourite one from CBBS, apart from Vanilla. Well, I mean, uh, if you want, uh, if you want sexy Welsh accents, obviously Hugh Edwards. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I find his father was a druid. It was genuinely true, yeah. In the Estevod, he's part. He was a. He was um, part of the bardic circle of druids. Right. He keeps that quiet, doesn't he? When he's a. I was going to say, is it racist to get a Welsh man on and just discuss some people from Wales? But then you <laughs> but have just said one of them's a tat was a druid. Yeah. So, and also, this is sort of my USP. Yeah. Um, who else? Uh, uh, I mean, sexy. Well, I, I think Bonnie Tyler's accent's quite sexy. No, I think I think the Welsh accent's sexy, but I think in porn, yeah, just if it's an English accent or even a, I think even in porn, oh, a Welsh accent would put Bonnie me Bonnie Tyler, though. I read a great interview there the other day. I love the people of Swansea, <laughs> but the town itself is very, very shabby. And I thought, oh, Bonnie Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> She's right, though. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Swansea, yeah. I've, I've mentioned this, I'm sure, but I once had a, a, had a gig in Swansea and I booked the, a hotel in Swansea. At the Grand? And it was at a university. Oh, OK. It was, a long, it was a while ago, like 2004. At the Taliesin Theatre, saw Macbeth there, 1998. 
<laughs> part of my A-levels. Um, I stayed in a hotel room, and the toilet, the toilet was in the same room as the bed. <laughs> I've never... There was, there was literally, like, an alcove... There was an alcove where there perhaps once been a cupboard, yeah. which was about that wide... What? And the toilet was in that, but of course it, the, was, the alcove didn't fit, so I it was in the, the toilet. Was it? Uh, was it one of the? Um, like, oh, you, obviously you're not going to lose. It wasn't one of the B and Bs on the seafront, and I smell through. No, it, I don't it? think it was. It was. A, I, I didn't stay there in the end uh, because Lee Nelson, <clears throat> oh, right, uh, was driving back to London, <laughs> and I said he was. I was on first, or whichever way round it was. Yeah. I realised I had time to go back and pick up my bag and not stay in. The, it was a very cheap I, hotel. Uh, after I. I stayed in a hotel in Swansea once, and um, uh, it was one of those B and Bs, seafront B and Bs. The bloke he was like, uh, "Right then, you're uh, you're uh, room number four, number four you are." And then he opened the door to number four, and there was a dog in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, <laughs> and he was, um, he was like, "Oh, fucking hell, Prince!" <laughs> Prince, and he was trying to. Che- he was an old guy. And he was trying to chase Prince out of the room, but Prince was. Prince was. He completely had him sort of. He was. You know. I mean, he had him covered. So Prince was just running ring, literally running ring. They were just running around this single bed. They fight it, Prince. And Prince had even broken into a sweat. And eventually, he got rid of Prince. And he, and uh, and I'd forgotten my toothpaste. Um, so about a couple of hours, as I was brushing, I was about to go to bed, and uh, <laughs> I said, "Oh, sorry, mate, I've I've forgotten uh, my toothpaste. Could you could you could, you know do sell me?" And he went, "What you want? What do you want?" I said, uh, "Toothpaste, please." He went, <sighs> "Fine, uh, give me two minutes. Uh, give me a brush." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so I had to go back back to the bedroom to get my toothbrush. And I had to present it to him. He was like, right, fuck it, I'll be there in five minutes. And he went out and he came back and he'd put the toothbrush in his pocket. And it was sticking out of his pocket, but there was a, like a pea-sized, you know, as the instructions say, <laughs> lump of toothpaste on the, <laughs> on the toothbrush. He's like, hey, you go fine with same arrangement in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, that's good service. You wouldn't get that. <laughs> Maybe they put the toilets in the bedrooms because the dogs stay in yeah, there. It's yeah. just the only way to get the dog to go to the Disgust- toilet. He was wearing the most disgusting pair of tracksuit bottoms <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. The, the man, not the, not the yeah. dog, obviously. I went, I went to, for my birthday, which was the 12th of July, if you're interested, uh, I, um, I went to uh, quite a posh fish restaurant in... in, in Near here, actually, Leicester Square. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was full of the biggest cunts. And, <laughs> and they were all kind of theatre people. And they, were all, they all knew each other. And they were sort of throwing... It was like producers and stuff, I th- I'm guessing. Right. But they are throwing bread at each other and shouting at each other. And we were trying sort to have a... Sort of I was trying to... Stuff. Yeah, but I was trying to have a romantic uh, meal with my wife. We don't get many, many nights out, as you'll yeah. know as a, a parent. Uh, and um, a guy walked in who was obviously quite a big, you know, rich guy because he was in there. But he was wearing a, a kind of... Cr- cream jacket that looked filthy and the <laughs> seriously tracksuit bottoms because <laughs> you know I think you know obviously he got fat and he just couldn't fit into the trousers he put on these you know they're, they're made out of kind of grey that very thin yeah. 
plasticky material oh. and really dirty. And that's what, if you're rich, you can get away with wearing it. Yeah, you just, just don't wear. care, do you? Because yeah. uh, it's like, uh, you know, oh, this is, I'm sorry, I'm a real Beatles nut, right? Yeah. I remember reading an interview with Paul McCartney. He was like, you know, you start going to posh restaurants and you realise if you want cornflakes, you just ask for cornflakes. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not really getting the best experience if you go into. <laughs> You go to the Ivy or Claridge's and you're asking for fucking cornflakes. <laughs> Come on, Paul, I know you're brought up in a prefab, but... <laughs> but, um, move on. <laughs> You've made millions. God, I love him. I love him as well. He is quite... He's, quite, he's uh, the best one. He's the best. He's, he's the good. Best. He's, he's the quite best mean with his... He's quite uh, frugal with his money. You, you, you know, well, he's eating cornflakes in posh restaurants. <laughs> so but is that... I mean, is that... You could get the cornflakes a lot cheaper at the supermarket, but it's yeah, probably I cheap. Yeah, I bet he's thought of that. Well. <laughs> <laughs> he's interesting, Paul McCartney, because, you know, he's Paul McCartney, and yet I, he, yeah. he has that thing hanging over him his well, whole life of, of John Lennon being perceived well, I, as the best. Well, one. yeah, and that, that's sort of untrue, in that yeah. in the, um, he was single, and Lennon was living in, in uh, like, Surrey, I think, in a mansion with Cynthia, and pretending he wasn't married, and just sitting in bed and reading the Daily Mail, whereas McCartney was going to, uh, like, art happenings and sort of weird art installations and jazz nights where people were playing things on blocks of wood and, yeah. you know, tape loops, machines and all that sort of stuff. But, but the caricature of the Beatles is that he was the cute, sweet, melodic one. Yeah. Lennon was the acerbic, sarcastic one. And that, is, that has stuck yeah. for over 50 years. Yeah. Which I think... I read his book uh, many years from now, and um, he... He obviously can't get past that. So he, he, he subscribes a sort of percentage system to songwriting to every single Beatles song. Right. So there'll be some that are obvious Lennon masterpieces. They'll be like, yeah, Strawberry Fields, well, you know. Uh, so obviously John came up with the verse and the chorus, but the middle eight's mine, and I think it was my idea for the Mellotron, so... It's probably 55 Lennon, 45 <laughs> McCartney. Think, oh, come on, Paul! Also, he only has about eight anecdotes. Yeah. So seasoned <laughs> McCartney watchers will watch him on Parkinson and things yeah. and go, oh, yeah, he, he did one, three, and six. <laughs> <laughs> but like, this, this, when he talks about um, Hey Jude and he says uh, he's played it to John Lennon. Yeah. It's this, you know, he's got that sort of thing where he's trying to look modest but not look modest. Yeah. And then... Um, and he said, I played to John, I said, oh, I've got the bit of the movement you need is on your shoulder. Oh, yeah. But we need to change that. And then John Lennon said, no, you don't, that's the best bit. And then, so I left it. So John Lennon's contribution was to say, leave yeah. it as it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think Hey Jude is sort of 98-2 to me. Um, yeah. But that, that Hey Jude movement you need is on your shoulder, that's, uh, that's anecdote number four. <laughs> but it's interesting, because I was talking last week, I don't know if you uh, have listened to it yet, but uh, about... <laughs> To Tom Parry, and it's that thing where you, when you're in it, when you're working with someone, uh, when you're working with someone, and you know, and then you can get that. If you get into that rivalry with someone, and then and then it becomes a competition with that other person. That, I just always think like you're Paul McCartney. You don't need to even for a second go. Yeah. Hold on, just go. I'm Paul McCartney. I wrote yesterday. For yeah, stars. and, uh, and I think he was. I think he probably is a bit funny about how. Um, he doesn't. He gets a sort of slight r- rough deal out of that. Yeah, well, he does. Because he does. people think that he was just the the, the obla di obla da guy. Yeah. 
and uh, or the frog chorus, which I have revisited and think is fine. <laughs> I don't see what I don't know why everyone because I'm because I'm a big McCartney apologist. People always use that as a stick to beat me with. I think listen again, it's great. It's a chorus of frogs, man. It's absolutely fine. What is your problem with that? <laughs> I think it's probably aimed at uh, children. Anyway, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I do like Paul McCartney, but he, he drives me nuts as well. Um, let's ask you an emergency question to get away from uh, okay. Paul McCartney. Let's see, let's see where we end up with, with this this week. I've got no idea. Uh, what is the worst rumour you ever heard about yourself that is untrue? Oh, um, Robin, John Robbins told me this. Right. Um, I... Oh, this is, this is going to sound like I'm bragging. Okay. Um, when I was a very, very new comic, actually, this is absolutely not the worst thing. It's just this is the last one I got told. Okay. Um, I'll tell you probably, I'll have a think about the worst one. Um, okay. He, uh, when I was an open spot comedian, a very new comedian, I sort of wasn't an awful open spot. I was all right to, as far as open spots go. Yeah. And it was a, there was a sort of myth on the Cardiff comedy scene that I would turn up at gigs and do okay. And then the promoter or the other actor so would say, oh, great, how long have you been going? And I would go, actually, that was my first ever gig. <laughs> Just to sort of curry favour. And apparently I did this for two years. And I never, ever did that. That's a, com- that's a complete uh, lie. Yeah. In terms of the worst rumour about me, it would probably be, oh, God, I mean, they've been... M- millions, uh, <laughs> especially at school and stuff. Yeah, you know that I had a penis like a grape and all that sort of. <laughs> you and know, all that sort just of all that classic sort of great great penis stuff. Penis like a grape. Yeah, penis like a penis like a grape, like a grape was in the fruit. <laughs> yeah, you know that, that, that like I a... only had silvery pubes until I was eighteen, <laughs> and then yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, ma- mainly. Sort of mainly penis stuff, basically. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, I it's heard, actually, it's fairly. It's just fairly standard. I heard you had a penis like a grip, <laughs> like a vice. Yeah, yeah. People once you, you once and you're involved with it, you can't get away from it. Yeah. You grab hold, and then there's no, there's no. You're inside. And yeah. You're like, oh. And then there's a metal bar that you twist, and all sorts of awful things happen. Good. Um, who would you rather died, Windsor Davis or Matthew Crosby's wife? <laughs> Or Matthew Crosby's wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As in my friend Matthew Crosby. Yeah. Or Windsor Davis, the Welsh actor I've never met. Yeah. Welsh well, only. Well, Windsor, Windsor Davis is about 80. He's had a good innings. I mean, yeah. sort of... I don't want to kill him off. But, um, I mean, if it's... If, <laughs> if, I've got a, if I've got a point of gun at one of their heads, yeah. then absolutely Windsor... I mean, it sounds now like I'm too enthusiastic about it. <laughs> You always have this coming, Windsor. Oh, come on, oh, lovely boy, lovely boy. <laughs> but all the pleasure he's given everyone, I mean, comparatively... Matthew exactly, Crosby, but all that is Matthew available Crosby on White DVD, hasn't. isn't it? <laughs> you, or YouTube nowadays. Yeah. You, can, you can revisit it. There's Charlie Crosby, Matthew yeah. Crosby's wife. Yeah. I mean, her whole life is ahead of her. But in a way, I mean, she's married to Matthew Crosby. Wouldn't it be kinder... What? <laughs> <laughs> what to put her In a I kind very way. Guilty about whenever, whenever I, my daughter goes to bed, I say I'm just going to put her down, <laughs> and it sounds like I'm so annoyed that I'm just like, oh god, I've had enough. <laughs> 
So let's well let's talk about that. We are both uh, married to comedian. Well, not yeah. you and me are married, but uh, yes. you are getting married, are you? Yeah, yeah she's she really engaged. Yeah. She uh, asked me actually. Yeah, she proposed to you on uh, leap year. Yeah, she did. Yeah, I bedroom. mean, I wasn't going to do it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I was. I actually, I actually was, and I had it all planned out. But then um, uh, I'm so slow moving. That it would have been, it, it definitely would have got done, but it would have been a decade. Uh, and in the same way that I actually, it's 2016, uh, and I don't have a website. <laughs> well, you do have a website. Well, yeah. But it's just the front page is from your 2012 tour dates. Yeah. And the second page is under construction. Yeah. <laughs> Please yeah. wait, it will be here soon. Well, it's because I keep thinking that I'm, I'm going to, when I get round to it, it'll be really great. It'll yeah. be a really brilliant website. Um, but, but obviously I never get around to it um, and, and, and then I sort of think to myself oh god I should probably do that but then I start thinking well maybe the internet is a flash in the pan <laughs> <laughs> and, and I will be, I'll be wasting my time um, there's every chance it could do but we're both uh, we both appeared in the same uh, newspaper article I can't remember which newspaper it was but it was about Marry well, comedians going out with other comedians. Oh, in the Independent, so, yeah, so the there's... one that said that John Robbins had a love sex drive. Because <laughs> 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 I, I do a radio show with John, and, yes. and that had, we used to be Saturday mornings uh, at ten, and and I think it must have come online at about nine, at about ten or six or something, and he was halfway through the first link. And he was skim reading it as he was doing the link. She was like, anyway, it's uh, uh, John Robbins and James. We're with you until 1pm. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I've got a low sex drive! I, I, haven't read the, I haven't read the article. I just thought it had come from nowhere. I just thought, it's sort of, I just thought for hours he'd been thinking, I need to broach this. Too, too many people are spreading rumours about me that I've got a low sex drive. And when I finally get round to addressing this... There's going to be no stopping me. And the, the top of the link had been, fair, as far as we go, fairly slick. Yeah. So obviously we'll have all of our regular features. We've got great music coming up from... Whoa! Whoa! And it was, it was very, very funny. But you no. look quite nice in the photo. Oh, yeah. We didn't, you and, we didn't... Everyone else is larking around a bit too much. Oh, we lark around too much. We look yeah. like a terrible, like, sort of puppet double act. <laughs> because we... we the, the, the photos were done in our house. Yes. And there were a load of, sort of toys in the living room. And, and they took probably... In the way that happens with photo shoots, they took 850 photos of Izzy and I looking quite nice and normal. Yeah. And then the 851st photo, I picked up a... The puppet, and we both touched our noses in that way that like <laughs> comedians did in the sixties, yeah. and obviously that's the photo we they used, yeah. and we look like a right pair of twats. <laughs> <laughs> it did. They all, and John and Sarah were uh, like she well, I was think Sarah's, she was I think Sarah's on his back, but it sort of looks it looks like acceptable larking, yeah, okay. whereas we look like cunts. <laughs> this is um, sadly. But do you think there are a few uh, comedy couples, and I, I've given up uh, on winning being the best comedian of my generation. And now, <laughs> do, are you are you doing the same? I'm kind of focusing on oh, making I'm... my daughter as funny as possible. Yeah. So she wins. And she's going quite the well. Funniest, yeah. She is funny. Like uh, the thing, she, she's only one, but the thing she does at the moment is, whenever she walks into a room, she goes, "Oh, here she comes." <laughs> <laughs> So she announces her arrival by going, Oh, hey, 
chicas. And it's because I've been saying it for as long as she can walk. And she thinks that is the thing you say when you walk into a when you walk into a room. Just she thinks everyone does it, and yeah. it's normal. And at the moment, it's so charming. But yeah. when but she's sixteen, here she comes. If you don't tell her, you can. And be, you know, you can. You can. She will be funny. Yeah, she'll and do it, and that, it, and, and it, so that's what you can. And it is. It is funny. Yeah. You know? yeah so and um, it's funny every time. Yeah. And uh, and and like I, you know, I, I will get it to the thing I got it to, to, to do today was I was saying, you know, do you love do you love Gran? And she, I got to go. No, disgusting. <laughs> and that's that is funny for now. Yeah. But you're storing up problems for yourself later down or the line. Or creating a super comedian. You know, com- well, two think, comedians yeah. come together, make another com- a better comedian yeah. than either of them. Ah, I'd be, I'd be thrilled with yeah, that. But then yeah. it's, now it's a race to see which of that gen- <laughs> They're like the Muppet babies of comedians. And they, they, could be in a, they could be in a double act. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be up for that. Yeah. Well, I think I should do... Mine should be in a double act with one of Stuart's... Oh, of course, kids. yeah, yeah. I think we, then they can just literally... One of Stuart's kids looks exactly like him. Yeah, it's terrifyingly yeah, so. And one, actually, the other one looks exactly like Bridget. Yeah, terrifyingly uh, so. so. They, it's amazing. So they can literally Muppet Babies. If I can have a, a boy one... I mean, I think my daughter looks quite like me. We could literally do just Lee and Herring, the, the next generation. <laughs> Give them the same scripts. Oh, yeah, that's... Or what I thought would be quite good is I do a double act with Stuart's son. <laughs> But the state is the same. Yeah, so he's sarcastic, he takes <laughs> yeah. a piss out of you. You're this hang dog guy in his 60s. It's just like <laughs> some sarcastic 18 year old. It's just like somehow he's been frozen in time and I've got old, that wee part of it. So it'd be the same script yeah. we're going, but I would be acting as if maybe overnight I've aged and had a terrible age. Absolutely love that. Yeah, but I've got to work it out with Stuart's son when he's old enough yeah. to. Yeah. Well, he's, you know, he's, he's, I mean, I've met Stuart Stone yeah. and he's, he, I'm sure he'll be bang up for that. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got, there aren't enough double acts of a quite old man and a small child. <laughs> <laughs> there's the crankies, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, there's the crankies. Oh, my God. <laughs> It'd be good just because Stu would hate it so much. That is, that is the best thing about it. Yeah, I mean... Would you... I mean, I, I don't know if, if any, any arguments and stuff you had in the sort of 90s... Yeah. If they could resurface, but, like, rebooted versions... Yeah. ..where Stuart's boy is like, ''Oh, you've forgotten to pack the right hologram, Richard, <laughs> you 60-year-old twat!'' And he's just, you're like, oh, sorry. Oh, we're going to lose money on this tour. <laughs> That's something to think about. But, you know, yeah. a, there, what I'm saying is there is a definite I wonder if you'd be with Avalon. <laughs> <laughs> That's one for the comedy nerds. <laughs> There's a definite competition, and it's who is the best kid of our kids as a comedian that is the best, not us. Yeah. Okay? That's the competition. All right, then. Good. I'm trying, uh, funny stuff. I'm trying to think of other funny stuff. I mean, it, um, it changes, because she's sort of... They go through weird phases of... Um, Oh, she says, see you tomorrow all the time. Right. Where, but when I'm going to see you in the next five minutes. <laughs> so I dropped her off at a childminder today. And she went, oh, OK, see you tomorrow. And I was like, no, no, you're not, you're not, having, you're not at a sleepover. I'm picking you up in five hours' time. Yeah. Um, I mean, that wasn't as funny if you weren't there. Uh, <laughs> I think that can all come out in the edit. 
way. <laughs> he won't know. Got to, got to put the flops in as well <clears> as the successes. That's the uh, that's the rules. Um, they are. They're, they're not. You know, yours is a little bit of three or four months older. Yeah. Than, so it's, they get. So it's kind of a fun stage when they start to talk and walk yeah, around in a sarcastic way. Uh, I mean, uh, she occasionally she occasionally repeats swear words of mine. Yeah. Which is this is a real quandary for me. Yeah. Because it's funny. <laughs> But it's it's not cool, is it? So I have a one-year-old to go off oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and I and I um, she she filled her nappy at, at at the worst. I was about to leave the house and I was late, and it, it it came at the worst possible time. And I and I said, "Have you done a poo?" And she went, oh, "Yeah." <laughs> and I opened her nappy and went, "Oh, fuck's sake." And she went, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I thought, oh, God. Oh, she sounds like Ray Winston now. <laughs> oh, dear. But I didn't reprimand her, because I thought, if she knows it's a thing, yeah. then she'll start doing it for attention. So I yeah. just left it, and I'm now watching my language a bit more. Yeah, it's, it's a worry. It is a worry. But I again, br- it is funny. Well, what... <laughs> It's when you do when you use any irony of any kind. So if you say something <laughs> ironically offensive, and my, oh, wife, yeah. my wife gets very upset and says you can't say that stuff in front. Yeah. of Yeah. Although if our kids become comics, if they start doing gigs young enough, like if my daughter started doing jonglers and she was five, she yeah. could open by swearing, and yeah. that would get a laugh. Like <laughs> <it. Good. laughs> Definitely would. Um, let me ask you another question. Okay. As, my, uh, as, uh, as I understand it, is my job. Uh, so uh, I just did a bit of filling there to see what, see where we got to. Uh, let's talk about uh, Wales and your part in their victory. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, obviously most people won't know this, but um, I I was making daily videos for, for BBC Wales uh, when Wales were at the European Championships mm-hmm. at the Euros. Yes. Watched by one person. Yeah. So that's sort of, that means they'll be coming back for 2018. Um, and uh, and I made a radio show as well every Friday for the duration of the tournament. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, they had only commissioned it to the groups. <laughs> and then, then we went on to get to the semi-final, which was yeah. absolutely one of the best of course. I mean, experiences it's astonishing. of my life. Oh, my God. Because we have been rubbish... All my life. <laughs> and the frustrating thing is, I, I, used to have one, uh, I used to have quite a good opening line when I did stand-up about how rubbish Wales were at football. Yeah. And it worked everywhere apart from once in South End, when a bloke, I think, must have confused me with someone else, because he went, I'm not paying all this money to hear you talk about football again! <laughs> and I'd never, I'd never done that gig before. Uh, <laughs> and then he got really upset, and he started naming, he started listing all of England's sporting achievements... And asking me to come up with sort of equivalents. Yeah. And it was in the first 30 seconds of the gig. And so yeah. it then became like a weird sort of more, slightly less aggressive version of Question of Sport. <laughs> it was like, Cricket World Cup! How have you done in that? And I was like, What's well, the England and Wales cricket ball technique? Shut up! <laughs> and yeah, obvi- you know, so obviously uh, Simon Jones played for, uh, played for England during the 2005 Ashes. I haven't paid! <laughs> Do you talk about Welsh sport again? I've never done it before, mate. Not in Southend. Um, 
I can't remember what I was talking about. Oh yeah, anyway. I, I, yeah, because we are we unqualified for a World Cup. We unqualified for a major tournament since uh, before prior to the invention of the duvet. Um, and I, I should say that at the start of gigs, and obviously I can't say anymore, uh, and I don't have an opening line, I can't think of a better one. Uh, so I just need to wait another 58 years, and I can use that one. And I mean, it'll never happen again, right? So no, of course not. No, that was, that, that, it was my golden summer. Yeah. I mean, it was. It, it, it's funny, because it, when you've, I've been watching Wales play since uh, 1993, and apart from a brief period in about between 92 to 94 and then the start of the 2000s, we were absolute rubbish. Like we lost to Leighton Orient, who were a club side. <laughs> uh, we lost to Holland 7-1. Um, and, I, I, I mean, we were managed by uh, Bobby Gould, who, who, who decided to design the kit as well as manage the team badly. <laughs> and he made us train in, in Usk Prison. And uh, he, he got locked in one of the cells by mistake. And it was just a sort of... It was just a complete car crash following the Welsh football team. And uh, what's, the, what's the other one of my favourite? Um, oh, when we lost 7-1, Neville Southall, the goalkeeper, was man of the match. I mean, we, we would have lost 25-0 if he hadn't played out of his skin. And, and, and then I remember once we played Cumbran Town. To, to, and, and he played a full... And, 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 he, and he obviously was a slightly odd choice. And he said, listen, I just want to see, you know, some of our younger players and all that sort of stuff. So it's just a training exercise, basically. So we played Cumbran Town and we beat them. And he scored a goal. He brought himself on. <laughs> even though he was in his 50s and not eligible to play for the team. And that, that was my whole experience. Like, for, throughout my life. So to suddenly get to the semi-finals. It was like, this, it was like I was tripping or something. It was yeah. bizarre. But great. Yeah. And we, we, was it? How was it when they were lost in the semi-finals? When, like when you thought they, I mean, everyone, um, it felt like they might win that game out of all of it them. It did well. because I don't think Portugal are that good a side, but we have two. They're the European champions. Yeah, but we have two great, play uh, outstanding sort of creative talents in yeah. Ramsey and Bale, and you can't do it without one of them. And obviously Ramsey missed that game, and I hate to go on about this, but when we played. <laughs> Brazil in the 1958 World Cup quarter-final. John Charles didn't play because he was kicked out of the game against Hungary. And then whenever we, when we played Romania in 1993, Mark Hughes didn't play because of Anidas booking against Cyprus two months before. <laughs> now, obviously, it was the semi-final of the Euros and Aaron Ramsey didn't play. And I'm probably going to think about that for the next thousand years, <laughs> Maybe if the players didn't break the rules, then they would be oh, in the game. All right, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, good. I think a lot of comedians were just thinking about you all the time. Just every now and again, a video would come up on Facebook of you going insane. Yeah, it was <laughs> so, I can't believe it. And because obviously, because we're a small country and we've and, and we've never really, when well, we've come very close, but have never done it. Uh, people were even English people were quite sort of. I got there was a lot of goodwill from English comics who yeah. wanted Wales to do well. Whereas I don't think that would have been the case. From Scottish or Welsh comics, if if I don't know who it would have been, you know, if Josh would have come very into the England football team. Yeah. I, I mean, if he'd been doing videos, I think I think I'd have been taking the piss. <laughs> Whereas I used to, I used to get lots of texts with people saying, "Oh, that was that was great. Yeah, yeah. I hope you go on and win it. God, if we'd won it. <laughs> oh my giddy aunt. I'd have gone to the pub for twenty years. <laughs> I know it had been the best 20 years of what would prove to be quite a short life. I, I, in a way, though, I mean, I'm, I like football, but not as much as you do. Right. 
And, That's yeah. fine. Yeah. A lot of people think I can only talk about one thing. Uh, no, but I can talk about, you know, Welsh communists in the 1940s. <laughs> I can talk about football. You know, I want to talk all, about all of the all of the topics. <laughs> I think I, I felt what the Euro showed was that essentially football is quite a stupid game. Oh yeah, but that's why it's great, isn't it? Yeah, but it's because it's shit for most of the time. Th- there's a lot. Of, there's just so much luck in it. I, I just think there's just too much luck in it. And a lot of it is, I mean, the thing with football, I've sort of I've stopped trying to persuade people who don't like it the reasons as to why it's good now. Yeah, because David Mitchell doesn't like music. Yeah. So he he was on Desert Island Discs and he only owns two CDs. <laughs> So he will never know what it's like to see a, a band he really loves or to listen to a record that means a lot to him. Uh, uh, but you can't, you can't persuade him now. And if um, a comedian, I don't know, Michael Legg, the comedian, yeah. he tried to get into football like for a bet or something last year. Yeah. And I would meet up with him in the pub and I would try and explain <laughs> why beating Preston 3-1 in the FA Cup in 2005 was one of the most cherished memories of my life. And you sound mental. <laughs> because you would just say, but it's just men kicking a, a ball about. Yeah. And you sort of can't argue with, with that logic. <laughs> and you go, yes, but I've invested so much in those men. <laughs> those men mean more to me than you will ever know. It's strange, though, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I get that, and I've you know, supported teams. I just, sort of, I just felt with the Euros, particularly Portugal winning it, I felt was just like, that's a real disappointment. I mean, they don't, they didn't win the game in real time. Yes. In, you know, in, in normal time, in the whole thing, did they? Or Wales, no, they didn't. No. Uh, yeah, against where yeah, we yeah. were the first ones. Uh, and, yeah, but the 2014 World Cup was absolutely fantastic. So, and I think it was very fashionable about 10 or 15 years ago for football writers in the broadsheets to say football's going to eat itself, it's too expensive and transfer prices have gone through the roof and ticket prices are too expensive and it eventually will sort of wither and die. But, I, but the game, especially if you look at 2014 or if you look at players like Ronaldo and Messi and Bale, the game is better than ever, I think. The game is still brilliant. Like when we beat Belgium and 3-1, when we beat Russia 3-0, that was sort of football at its most visceral and thrilling, I think. Mm. So it can still be brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And Leicester, Le- who would have seen that? Well, there's more. I mean, that's like that a, was a that was an extraordinary. It thing. is. It's I, I'm, and I'm, over that many games, I think then that well, yeah, that it's, evens it's, out. It's a course of achievement. Before that, it would be Nottingham Forest winning the European Cup. Yeah. That is probably the last comparable thing. But and and people would say, well, that will never happen now because the the defense like Lionel Messi is an absolute magician, and he is doing it in a in a in a in an era when no defenders smoke. <laughs> like Arsenal won the back f- Arsenal won the double in the late 90s and their back four were all alcoholics <laughs> I mean it is it's, it is astonishing Tony Adams would drink had, had drunk before games in yeah. the past if you read his book and yet that United team were all like drunks and Lionel Messi, you know, they're the most drilled defences of all time everyone's mega fit yeah. and yet he is still dancing around them so in, in a way, and you you would assume that that sort of creative flair player would sort of be replaced by some sort of robot man <laughs> by now. But it is I, I still think it's a, a wonderful game. But I've also Mike Izzy Izzy detests football. Yeah, 
And um, after the Russia game, she, she texted me at full time. Uh, wow, well done! <laughs> Congratulations! 10 exclamation marks and then 40 champagne cork popping emojis. Right? Yeah. She's only just got into emojis. <laughs> and it was, it was this. I thought, wow. And I called her up and I'm still at the ground. And I went, it was amazing, wasn't it? She went, yeah! And I went, did you watch it? And she went, no. <laughs> and she, she sort of vaguely understands that it was quite yeah. a big deal for me. But, you know, I, I don't like. Italian house music and I don't like I don't like uh, fantasy sort of novels yeah. and I can understand that if you're into Terry Pratchett you know it means a lot to you but it's it's, it's, it's not real <laughs> Whereas, football is real <laughs> football is happening in front of me whereas Discworld yeah is not real. <laughs> and now I sound like Michael Owen, who, who has never watched any films because he can't, he can't, he, he doesn't understand how fiction cannot be real. <laughs> so he just refuses point blank to watch any film. <laughs> but you know, I support York City, so it's not been a great uh, year for me. Yeah, but I love that because um, I was at York City's last game in the league when he got relegated because he got relegated. So you just go to see them go. No, down. I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't there flicking the They're visa laugh. the away end. Going, <laughs> Richard Herring's going to hate this. No, I'm very fond of people who... Because I support Swansea. Yeah. And we were rubbish throughout my childhood and yeah. my teens. So whenever anybody says that they support York City or, you yeah. know, Rochdale, I far prefer those people to people going, well, actually, to be honest, uh, don't get to get go to many games, but I'm more of a sort of Inter Milan guy. Yeah, I should really... <laughs> great, great, great side. <laughs> um, right. Sorry, I became. I can be a bit of a bore when it comes to football. No, that's good. A lot of that is going to have to come out in the end. No, no, it's all, it's all in there. I'm just. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm just so tired. Do you want me to interview? <laughs> so me to interview you, Rich? Because I've had two espressos this year, so I'm really pumped. Yeah. Mainly as a student of this podcast, I'm quite thrilled to be asked. You see, yeah. so oh, I think that this means more to me than it means to you. It's a bit no, like no, the Euros. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to me. <laughs> The last one it tends to be either something goes horribly wrong or the the I think uh, great the last one Stephen Merchant was one of the last the, one of the last of a series. Um, it's been no, it's been a long old haul. This you know that's why I find with the ba- with the the baby it makes you tired, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because their energy is, uh, I've never seen anything like it. No. It's like she's on amphetamines all the time. And unless she's very, very sneaky, I know she isn't. And they wake up at bad times. When does your daughter wake up? Six. Yeah. The other day, she woke up at four. Oh, my Because it was so hot. (laughs) But then I went and slept down with the... I went down to the cellar where it's a bit colder. And... uh, In the cellar? It's like a room. It's not like... It's it's like a proper room. But then she... Because people... People people with dads and kids in cellars got previous (laughs) in there. I didn't leave her down there. Have Christmas with my other family. Uh, But... uh, (laughs) Let's talk about your pre-comedy uh, work, because there's not much on, uh, as you were discussing, you're not interested in the internet, and there's not much about you on Wikipedia. There is Wikipedia about you. Yeah, I don't, not write, much I don't know who wrote that. I think it's, um, 
One, I, yeah, I just so I don't worked, know who that person is. You who. worked before you were a comedian. You were in a band, and you worked. Oh yeah, temp I was. Work. I never. I was a temp. I never made any money out of the band. We, we. Um, but then again, you've you've got to be basically in Genesis to make money out of music. So, it. it we, we. You know, I. I. I loved it. I, I'm actually quite proud of that stuff. But yeah. we. We probably made three hundred and fifty quid in two years or something. And. Nice. But we. Um, we did a, a six music session, which was our high oh, really? watermark. We played Glastonbury as well. Wow! Um, but I was a temp. But the, the, the reason I'm because I, I do a radio show with with John uh, Robbins, and and one of the things in our dynamic is that I'm fairly happy-go-lucky, and I, I I just don't really I'm quite laid back. Like yeah. I don't really care about a lot of stuff, <laughs> and he cares about everything like too much, and it's. It's it's quite a, f- a funny dynamic for us on the radio, because he is sort of demonstrably cleverer and funnier than I am. <laughs> I am more successful than him, <laughs> and, and and he is at his funniest when he's jealous. So it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's just the way it's worked out. Um, and I sort of, but the reason, one of the reasons I'm quite ha- positive is that. I was so unsuited to real work, so profoundly, pathologically, clinically unsuited to right. real work that I, I can't believe that comedy is my living. I got, I got sacked from a temp job for slouching once, right? <laughs> when I worked for Transco, the gas company. Right. And um, I, was, I was temping there, and uh, I got sacked for slouching and not fitting in. And I was only there for three days, and on day two, my, my boss's friend walked into the toilet and I was leaning against the mirror like this, just going, Oh God, 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 oh God. And I'd been in there for like 40 minutes. They thought I had big problems, you know. And then he came in, and I knew he knew my line manager, and I thought, Oh God, oh God. So I stayed in there for another five minutes. And then when I came back out, he was going to my boss, yeah, he had his, uh, he, had his, he was leaning against the mirror, just muttering, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And then I got sacked an hour later. So, um, but that used to happen all the time. Right. And, and um, it was starting to get a bit of a worry. Because <laughs> I thought, I've got to do something. Yeah. And, and then I started doing stand-up and realised that I could, at least I could do that. And even if I could just scrape a living, I was only scraping a living as a temp, and at least I yeah. wouldn't, you know, be muttering to myself. Well, actually, that, that is what happens in the car on long journeys, but, yeah. And so you're doing lots of acting now? Yeah. You and Josh? So yes. Did you, you, you meet Josh uh, Whittacombe on the circuit? On the circuit, yeah, um, when, when he was very, very new. And then yeah. we did... Our first, my first Edinburgh show was a double-header... Well, a triple-header with him and a comic called Matt Price. And uh, we did Edinburgh 2008. And Josh was... Um, obviously, he was very, very funny from the start, but... You know when you meet someone and you've read absolutely the same stuff and seen exactly the same TV programmes yeah. and have listened to the same radio shows? It was an almost uncanny meeting right. of, of sort of cultural references. So, and Matthew Crosby actually is the same. So we, we text each other very oblique references <laughs> to the 90s and they will always get them. You can't, you can't go too niche 
right. with Whittacombe and Crosby when it comes to the mid-90s in particular. Yeah, okay. We went to a party the other day, and we were the last three up, and we were watching the first two episodes of TFI Friday at five in the morning. <laughs> I, I thought, we need to get over this. I mean, so, but, uh, yeah, so I've, I've known Josh since, uh, since he just... I, I, I was going a bit longer than him. Right. But, um, and then we were in a, I was in a sketch group with him called Super Clump, uh, which was me and Josh Whittacombe and Mike Wozniak from Man Down oh, yeah. and Henry Packer who's done lots of stuff and and there was loads of us Tom Crane who writes on The Last Leg and who wrote Josh and Nat Lertzum and Sean Harris who wrote Man Down there was nine of us in total uh, I'm going to forget Henry Whittacombe who runs a Mach- Machinthleth Comedy oh, yeah. Festival yeah. I, is that all of them? me <laughs> I wasn't counting no but it was, there was so we were sort of that we were like a big sort of peer group, and we decided yeah. if we all got on, why don't we? Oh, Ben Partridge has written loads of stuff as well. There was, I mean, there's actually, I'm obviously going to forget someone, and it's going to be awful. <laughs> yeah. But, um, it's all right, it's not the Oscars, mate, it's fine. No, that's so true. We can do a Harry Berry then, I was going to start crying. But... And, uh, I'll do it in my, I'll do it in my, uh, and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do whatever we, it is. Uh, but, um, so Josh had always said, if, if I write something, I'll, I'll put you in it. Cool. So it was, yeah, very nice of him. Wish I'd made better friends with him. Yeah, well, you know, if we, if we, get, a th- if we get a third series... Can I play a postman in it? Yeah, I think I tried so, to yeah. do it with the... Like a creepy paedophile postman. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've tried to do a thing, and I tried to get the Pappies guys to do it, and they never did. Okay. I played a postman in Time, Gentlemen, Please, and I thought it would just be funny... If yeah, I made a postman in every single sitcom, right, then. They're if, I, if, I, if I write a sitcom, I don't think there are any post I, my I, age now. I those. promise I'll make you a postman. Okay, the creepy paedophile sex pest postman. It's all I get. I get I, recurring I, I, character, so you become famous for it. <laughs> Ding dong! Oh god! <laughs> Please say it's Amazon. <laughs> no. No, it's Richard the Postman. Oh, Christ. It's Richard Herring the Postman. (laughs) Richard Herring, the paedophile postman. Um, Oh, God. You've got to give you a full full title as well. (laughs) Sorry, uh, the package was too big to post. What, again? A likely story. Yes. Do you mind signing for that, please? Well, then I could tell my boss that you signed for it with Richard Herring, the creepy paedophile postman. <laughs> oh, you're Welsh in this sitcom as well. You'll have to do your voice. I'd absolutely happy to do that. Thank you. Same time tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, you should play him. You're very good at it. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll, I'll give you plenty of notes in the, in the rehearsal period. No, no, Richard, it's more... <laughs> See you tomorrow. Yet another package is too big for your box. <laughs> and then people, the word for the channel will be, yeah, it's tonally very different to the rest of the show. And so I said, yeah, but it's my show. It's been commissioned. You, you told me in good faith that you were going to back me in my ideas. And this is my creative vision. It is a very, very realistic office-style single camera sitcom that has Richard Curry and the creepy beautiful postman and he comes on every day because we are consistently buying things online that are too big to post and that is his voice 
He trails off in a creepy way. Oh, I don't know if you've been shopping online, but uh, I, tomorrow's actually my day off, so uh, maybe you'll have a different postman. And you will win a BAFTA for it. I, 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 I don't know if they do the comedy awards anymore, but you are an absolute shoe-in for that BAFTA. Best newcomer. Best newcomer. <laughs> and you, you'll be like, you, you'll get up there and it'll be hosted by Graham Norton or whatever. People are like, do the voice! <laughs> I'd just like to thank uh, my uh, management at Avalon. I'd like to thank Edis, obviously, for writing. Oh, yeah. Mm, I mean, as an actor, you can only go as far as the script. Yeah, that's the raw material you've been given to play. Mm, you know, he's such a talented script writer. Oh. Thank you to my wife. <laughs> And my daughter's watching at home. Daddy's on the telly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to refer to yourself as Daddy. Oh. <laughs> it is the only kind of parts I get. But I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> This year, I've been a man who. I've been this year. I've been a man who's using uh, an escort who then, who then she, th- th- something happens. He ends up having sex with a man accidentally, but is sort of okay about it. Right. I've paid a husband who uh, has done something very stupid while his wife's away. I can't say what that is because that ruins the whole film. But it's sort of disgusting. I've played uh, a very smelly man. <laughs> <laughs> who uses an S, you know, an S and M prostitute, and she doesn't want to. She can't want to shower because he's so disgusting. Uh, and I've played a man who has sex with a robot and a man who wanks people off from behind a curtain. Admittedly, I wrote those two. Right. <laughs> What's the other one? The other ones. Uh, oh, and a man yeah. being. Uh, I, I, I was in bed with Blue Sanders all day, being. Uh, <laughs> Being, she was met for late to me, but then commenting on the size of my penis. Right, okay. Then I wrote that well, one. Well. Well. <laughs> when I, I, I occasionally complain to Izzy that whenever I get seen for auditions and castings and things, it, I'm always playing a sarcastic coward. Yeah. But, um, I mean, yours is, is much worse. <laughs> I'd far rather be a it's sarcastic really, coward to sort of. Just... You've really carved a. It's the awful niche for yourself. It is, yeah. well, I have, it's not, none of them know. <laughs> none of them have watched the other things and gone, oh, we'll get him into this. They've gone, oh, we need a smelly pervert. Who, oh, yeah, Richard Herring. I've never been to a prostitute in my life. Good man. I always shower every day. I, you know, I don't know why they would think that. I got Case a, rests, Your Honour. <laughs> I got an audition uh, for Sherlock. I was going to play a indignant, an indignant man. He didn't have a name. Who didn't have his name? Right. Yeah, okay. but like, I didn't get it. Oh. And I was really indignant because I'd been, I'd, I'd had a really difficult journey getting there. So, <laughs> fuck. If I can't get this, I can't get anything. Yeah. I can't wait to see who the indignant man is when it comes up. Yes, whenever I don't get something, I'm always yeah. fascinated with that. I knew I wasn't right for it, but it'd been kind of cool. I would have been playing against. Were you, uh, were you too indignant? 
I think I was too dignant. I don't think I was very... I just thought, I think I, I could picture who they want. You know, you go to an audition, you go, I can picture what they want, and it isn't me. So yeah, mo- yeah. most of if I The only auditions I've ever got are for that I know I can get this one. But all the others, I kind of go, yeah, I'm not, I don't know why I'm bothering Usually, yeah, it's usually stuff that's... This guy's good. not a... Would never really use a prostitute. Well, I, I was in uh, Roisin Connerty's pilot game face. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, playing Chicken Man. Mm. Um, and that was written. That, that, that was amazing, that yeah. was written for me. Yeah. Uh, as in a, a slightly weird guy who works in a chicken shop. Roshim's like, yes. <laughs> so um, I, I tend, yeah, it tends to be people think of me first and then write the part, as opposed yeah. to me going in and yeah and and getting it because I'm either too dignant or indignant. So I've <laughs> never been able to square that circle. It's bad when the character name is the attribute of what the person is. Yes. I was in a Krakenori as stressed office guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's sort if, of telling if you how to do your part, you know. Yeah. Just write it well. Call him Simon. <laughs> I'll work out how dignant yeah. or indignant he I think is. I, can do, I think I can do Craig. <laughs> He's quite dignant. <laughs> so there's more Josh coming up. Yeah, we just, we just finished, actually. So... Yeah. Um, I don't know when it's going out. I, w- I, w- I would hope around the same time. Cause, um, but we finished it in uh, yeah a few weeks ago. Yeah. So I'm um, looking forward to that. And it was it was loads of fun because it's great because I'm um, working with you know Jack D and and also working with your friends is a very that's a nice thing. It's yeah. such a brilliant thing. Yeah. Because I I don't um, subscribe to the idea or the myth that comedians are all dicks who are jealous and hate each other. Mm-hmm. Like all of my I've, I've, you know, when I worked in offices, I met some real whoppers. Yeah. Um, but on on the circuit, there's I get on with everyone on the circuit, and you yeah, know that art to your face, but behind well, your yeah. back, but the things they say but about you. In the main, I think we're quite. Uh, I think there's a very supportive group. I mean, I think it's all. Everything's always a little bit cliquey, and you know, whatever yeah. whatever clique you're in, you know, you look at the other cliques and whatever, or if you're not in any of them. But, you know, I think it is... A, I think that idea that comedians are all furiously angry with each other and bitter about it with each other, I think, is not I representative. Mean, I think that, from what I understand, because I'm very interested in the history of comedy, and, and from what I understand, the, the, the early alternative circuit in the 80s, especially in London, because it was very London-centric, wasn't it, was yeah. there, were, there were more crackpots. So... Yeah. What I, what I found, I started doing stand-up in 2005, and it was actually before Live the Apollo, but I was still aware that there were enough comedy clubs in the country that I would be able to earn a living from it, and they probably weren't going to go anywhere, so I could be a, a sort of career comedian rather than a temp. Yeah. Um, whereas the, a few generations above me who'd start in the 80s and the 90s, they're far more hedonistic than my peer group because they often left normal jobs to be comics and because I think in 1991 you could justifiably think well the bubble's going to burst and this comedy club phenomenon is going to run out of steam Mm -hmm. they treated from my understanding every gig as a sort of party (laughs) and there are still comics who are 50 doing that whereas I'm 35 and I like I remember once I did a I did up the creek in Greenwich and um, you know it's a very established club and it was me and Rob Beckett and a much older comic, and someone came in and went, oh, do you want any drinks? And uh, I said, oh, I'll have a Diet Coke, please. And Rob said, I'll have a Diet Coke. And the, and the other comic was like, Jesus Christ! I remember when people were 
drinking proper coke at this gig <laughs> and taking coke. And Rob went, yeah, but I want to I wanna get rebooked. Yeah. Um, and I think there probably were more weirdos and crackpots who were furious and jealous and angry in 1989. But Yeah, I think that, that might be true up to an extent. I think there is a... It's a not, well, it's... It's become more. It has become more professional in the same way football is. You know, people yeah. could be drunk and play football in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, I mean, when when I went to Edinburgh, it was about getting having fun rather than getting drunk. Well, and yeah, although I my first Edinburgh was in two thousand and eight, and it was a, it was I did the Comedy Zone, and then uh, I did um, the, the show with Josh that year as well, and we got drunk every night, and it was yeah. absolutely brilliant. And then I did my first solo show in two thousand nine. And I got drunk every night, and it was absolutely brilliant. And then, because those shows got the solo, the solo show in particular got got reviewed quite well. So then, in 2010, um, people knew who I was. Whereas, because I was based in Cardiff, no one really cared in 2009. Yeah. And then I started to become less hedonistic because it sort of mattered. I think, but you know, because yeah, it's the it's well, it's the same as being a student now. You know, you it costs yeah. so much. You know, it, it didn't cost us yes. only to be students when I was a student, and so you could just go and waste three years messing around. But the idea of doing that now would be insane. And the same with Edinburgh. You're going to Edinburgh yeah. to lose £12,000, so is, you at least need to do a fantastic And, and it's one of my favourite things to tell people who aren't in the comedy industry, oh, if you go up with certain producers, you can sell out every ticket on every night you're performing over 30 nights. I will often do this. I'll say, how much money do you think you'll make? And they always go, oh, well... Obviously, your costs. That's probably about 500 quid. <laughs> uh, although, how much you might? 10 grand? I'll say, no, you lose 12,000 pounds. But you are seen as... In the, people will tell you that you're investing in your career. And it, it just knocks people's socks off. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, you're not going to go up and get shit-faced. <laughs> no. Well, you know, you can't. You can't do it. But it is an, it is an interesting change. I, I don't know... Maybe it was, maybe it was more like it was, you know, I was doing it in 1989, 1990, that's when I first sort of was on the circuit, and I think it was more, mainly men, and quite individual men trying to yeah. get, promote their own, their own career, and it wasn't like a combined thing, because you, you were a stand-up trying to do stand-up, you weren't thinking, I'll get my own sitcom, or I'll get my own yeah. whatever out of it, so... So, you know, you were competing for work, I suppose. Well, one of my favourite gigs is, is the Cardiff Glee Club. The Glee chain. I really love Birmingham and Cardiff and yeah. Nottingham and Oxford. And I used, I used to do a lot of those gigs. And Lee used to run the Cardiff Glee Club. He used to say in the late 90s, they would have this guy, you'll, you'll know him probably, he used to smash up vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, w- Woody Bob Murray. Yeah, so he would, from what I understand, he would hold up a, like a 12-inch Erasure record and say, Erasure, yes or no? And the audience <laughs> would go, no, and he'd go, all right then! And then he'd get a hammer and he'd just smash the record up for 20 minutes and he'd go, you be great, thank you! <laughs> and there was that guy who used to carve with ice. Yeah, yeah. But the Glee is now a, a mainstream... Yeah. You know, standard sort of comedy. The idea of booking that is well. There was insane. loads of guys like that. I mean, there were loads of guys that were just crazy. I mean, Chris uh, Lynham is about the only well, he used to put fireworks up his butt. Yeah, but he has yeah. a proper. I mean, he's like a clown, and he has a proper act. And he's quite big in Europe as well. Yeah, Chris yeah. Lynham. I mean, he's brilliant. Yeah, he's not. A lot of them were insane. You know. He's brilliant, but he's certainly not a man in his 20s talk, talking about things he's noticed. <laughs> he, 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 he's, he's a man with a firework in his anus. Yeah. So it's sort of, they are two opposite ends of the same spectrum, I think. Yeah. But they, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of, the, and the, you know, guys, I imagine, were taking a lot of 
uh, drugs and, yeah. and coming up with weird ideas. Well, also, I, I mean, one of the things I found, I did four of my shows on the trot, 09 to 2012, mm. and I haven't been up since, actually. And then the, the thing I've noticed is that as I, as I got older, it became harder to write material because my life was settling down. So I, I was a real idiot in my 20s. <laughs> Like, I just used to get stuff wrong all the time. And I used to have a routine in my first Edinburgh show where I, I took um, ecstasy and I, I, I went paintballing by mistake. <laughs> and um, and it, it genuinely happened. And, and obviously, I, I was coming down, and, um, and, but I was being shot at. Like, it was the worst day of my life. And, sort of, and, and also, because cause I'd gone by mistake and it was all horrific, and I was, I was in... Um, I was behind a barrel. I thought, I, oh yeah, that was it. Because I, I didn't have my wallet with me, so I couldn't afford to buy any bullets, right? So I'm sort of, so I can't even defend myself, right? So I, I've just got being given this redundant gun, and I was, I was, remember, I was sat behind a barrel, and uh, I'd been there for about an hour, and and the instructor said, you can't shoot someone from point blank range. Uh, you say surrender, and then the person says surrender back, and then they've got to go to the dead zone. Right. Um, but if they don't say surrender back. It's open season, you can do what you want. And this guy came running behind me and he went, surrender. And I said, I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> and he just shot me about 50 times. And, and it was an absolutely awful day. A really hard day. Yeah. But obviously, I don't do any of that stuff anymore. Yeah. And, and then your life becomes more boring. So you need different ways of, of coming up with stuff because... Like I know where my driving license is now. <laughs> that is that was just a, an absolute pipe dream ten years ago. The idea that I would know where that was, or <laughs> I know where my passport is. I know where Izzy's passport is. Yeah. But then, as that happens, you sort of you need different methods of coming up with stuff, or you're just <laughs> talking about how proud you are that you know where your passport is. And <laughs> as the audience reaction attests, it's not good enough, is it? I mean, it's sort of, there's nothing in that. They all know where their passports are. Yeah, I know. They but always I mean, have I, known. God, I would have loved to have been that person. <laughs> so well, how are you coming up with material now? Well, I'm just, just not, not bothering. <laughs> just sort of... No, I mean, uh, I, I don't think I'll ever stop doing stand-up, but I do less of it. Yeah. Because I do, cause I do uh, you know, acting and, and um, the radio show and stuff. And the thing, the thing that's actually what's sort of replacing the stand-up is John and I are going on, on tour yeah. in... Um, in the autumn, and, and so, uh, yeah, what used to be me doing comedy clubs is now me and John doing gigs together. Yeah. And it's, um, that's brilliant, because I loved being in a sketch group, because I, I like collaborating. Like, I, I, I don't actually believe that sort of auteur myth where you're meant to do it all on your own, and my favourite thing is to be in a, in a room with someone. I, yeah. I, I helped, I was one of the writers on Stand Up for the Week, and it was nice being in a room with other funny people trying to come up with material and with John obviously it's nice sort of improvising with him on stage yeah. because we know each other so well sure. so you know I can set him up for stuff and he can set me up for stuff and, and um, that is at the moment more exciting than stand-up I, I don't think I would ever stop doing it because it's still how I see myself because I'm always it took a while to sort of become half-decent and so I think if I stop, then I'll forget, and then I'll never be able to relearn. So I think I'm you do, but you, you can stop. I think you can relearn. I was in, I, interesting. I saw Frank Skinner's first gig back after he'd taken a his, his long time off. His very first one. I, when he'd taken a long time off. Yeah. 
And I saw, yeah, I think the first one. It was in Mon- it was in Montreal, uh, oh and God. it was uh, and it was in front of an audience who didn't have any no- knowledge of who he was. Yeah, and I he mean was, that sounds like an anxiety dream. Yeah, but he was he was you know it was bad. He'd lost it, and he was bad, and he kind of got that. Th- he did that thing that you do when you're an inexperienced comedian. There's something on the floor, and you know, you know, like we're up and going, oh, there's something, something on the floor down there. None of the audience yeah. can see what it is. You know, you he completely, and then within, but within a month, I then saw his show, and he was he was back. Yeah, well, this this whole because Alan Davis took a long time off, and yeah. and he's now brilliant again. Yeah, but you know, I, I'm I'm assuming that there was an adjustment period, and there was, I remember doing a gig at the Birmingham Glee with a with an act who'd taken seven years off to write a sitcom. Yeah, and he was just he was terrified as well. Yeah, because it it was a big gig for him, and and the. When you talk to older acts who've taken time off to write books or whatever, they always tell you about this readjustment period, which I'm so terrified of having to go through. I did a gig with Ardell O'Hanlon, and he does a few a month because he's scared of it as well. Yeah. And and it's just... It is weird. I, 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 I did Edinburgh in 2011, and I was probably the sharpest I've ever been. And then Izzy and I went on holiday for a fortnight, <laughs> and I was doing Up the Creek, first gig back. And I, I'd been away for two weeks... And I, I was in the. I was comparing. I was like, "Hi, hey, man. Uh, what do you, what do, you uh, do for a, a, jo- a job?" And he, went, he was like, "I'm a builder." And I was like, uh, "Oh, what? Still a builder?" And he, and he went, well, "What?" And I was like, "Are you still a builder now?" And he was, "Yeah." I was like, "Ah, oh, that is really great." <laughs> and I've gone from being the sharpest I've ever been yeah. to not being able to function properly. And then by the second half, I was normal again. But yeah, it yeah. sort of took fifteen no, minutes. You know, t- two, two or three weeks off, I think, is enough to. And often, you, when you're doing stand-up, if if a gig is tricky or something, you will be work going through your rolodex of routines and thinking, "Okay, well, I probably can't end on that because." the audience are too tired or they're, they're too rowdy or raucous or whatever. So you're trying to work out other stuff that you can do whilst doing the routine. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which, like I was telling my dad this, my dad just couldn't believe that it could be done. But it's actually quite easy. So you're, you're doing the routine on autopilot yeah. and you're thinking about the gig whilst you're doing it. But then if you've had a couple of weeks off, that then becomes impossible. Yeah. And then in my case, I will often start vocalising the thing I'm meant to be <laughs> thinking in my mind. So I'll come out of a routine halfway through and go... Oh, yeah, they're quiet and it's hot. Sorry. <laughs> S- sorry. Oh, God, did I? Yes, I did. It's the... the yeah. Um, so that is why I would never quit. Because yeah, but if you do too many gigs, then the voice in your head starts to fuck you up and try and trip you up. I've, that's what... When I'm on a long tour and you've done you've made 12 days in a row, then the voice in your head's going, what if you forget how to speak? <laughs> What if you just suddenly forget what language is? And, yeah. And you say, and you're, it's all coming out, and that voice that I, does all that stuff is really then trying to fuck you up. I try not to introduce people, because I've, I've got a voice in my head that... Say my mum was here now, yeah. and I had to introduce you to my mum. I would bottle out with it in the last second, <laughs> because as I'm about to say, hey, ma'am, this is Richard, my head would go, but what if it... What if it wasn't Richard? <laughs> what if you've been getting his name wrong for the whole time you've known him and he's called Seb? <laughs> so I will say, hi, ma'am, this is... Oh. <laughs> and uh, I did it on the radio. I did it on... Uh, Joe Good is after us on Radio X. Yeah. And it was the last link of the show. I was like, uh, anyway, John and I will be back with you next week uh, between 1 and 4 p.m. Up next is... <laughs> 
imagine if it wasn't Joe Good, and I know it's Joe Good, and I've known Joe yeah. Good for two years, and I know she's called Joe Good. Imagine, I thought, if I've been getting her name wrong for two years, <laughs> she will hate me. And no one is, everyone is too polite and British to tell me that I've, that I've got it wrong. <laughs> so I thought, the only sane thing to do is to just go, oh, for a bit, and then hope that John takes over. <laughs> Which is, which is what he did. And he went, it's Joe Good with a belt. And he was looking at me and I thought, oh, it's happened again. <laughs> there are basically about six names of people I'm comfortable yeah. introducing. And, and yeah, I can't not yeah. think that that is going to happen. No, it's terrifying. Yeah. I, you know, that is terrifying. Hopefully you'll start thinking that now. And well, this I know, but I already become, become think contagious. that. You've got one of those names that you know, I, I, have to keep, I have to keep on looking at <laughs> <laughs> to make sure I've definitely got it right. That's all right. Because I know what well, it no, is. That's good. That's but comforting. I, know, but that's comforting but I have to keep looking. I know what it is, but then I just have but to keep looking. But that's comforting, because yeah. that makes me think... Because if you had got my name wrong, I wouldn't have been bothered, because I know I've got people's names wrong in the past. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, because that's what annoys me, is when you get someone's name wrong and they're furious about it. Yeah. Because I'm never furious about it. People call me Stuart, and people, you know, I just go, I'm, my name's yeah. Richard. I'm never angry about it. But some people like other... Oh, I, you met me six years ago, yeah. and I've interviewed you, introduced you in the party. It's Michael, not Mickey. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I've no idea who you are, but it's been lovely. <laughs> it's been lovely talking to you. I think we better let these nice people. Yeah, really run out of steam at the back well. end of that. But um, I was trying my best. I've got to be honest. Good. I thought I, I was in the middle. I was dead, and then it came. Yeah. Again. When you started calling me a paedophile, I was. Yeah. I was back. It's just. I was a, back it's alive. just. <laughs> I was glad to be alive. Well, it's just, yeah. It's just a. Sort I was of, just thinking maybe I'll be on the telly. It's a rousing tactic, like, isn't it? It's like, yeah. it's like the opposite. Of the arm around the shoulder. I thought I'll go in really hard now. <laughs> call him something absolutely monstrous, yeah. and then that will get this gig going. <laughs> the, beauty, the beauty of this is, as I'm sure you know from being on the radio, is, you know, fuck it. <laughs> you know, it's just like a load of stuff, in it? Doesn't matter, does it? Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of it, doesn't matter. Do you know what I love about you, Richard? It's yeah. your drive. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that inherent, so instinctive dedication to creating. But you know, if we've wasted these people's time, they'll they'll eventually forgive us. <laughs> they'll forget. I mean, it's, if it's boring, especially, they'll just forget it. Yeah, it wasn't offensive. No, it really. wasn't offensive. No. They'll just go and they'll it's go. Just oh, bad. They'll go. Well, how is it? How is it tonight? Oh, it's a bit boring. Wake up in the morning. Oh, we didn't see those guys. Yeah, it was all right. Two weeks time. Forgot. I forget everything now. That's the thing I don't remember. I, I forget things I've written as well. I, I have to write the what happened in this show the next day. I write the little blurb for it. I can never even remember what we talked about. Oh, I can't wait to see the little no, person. No, 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 I've got no idea. Even now, if you ask me, I've got to Two think words. of a title for the show. Creepy Postman. <laughs> yeah, there's that. I One word. <laughs> I remember that bit. I do remember that bit. I thought of a good title for the show, because my Rolodex is going... Because I, I want to just have a good title for each show. Yeah. I've forgotten what it was now. <laughs> might, be, might be a pervy postman. Beautiful postman. Okay. That might be it. You'll know at home whether that was what I chose. So I'll ask you one more question. Let's get some energy back in the room. Oh, my. Have you ever... Have you ever seen a ghost? I think Uh, that's where we'll end the series. uh, No, but I'd love to. uh, to I I once got locked in the cellar of a pub in Cardiff by a barmaid who convinced me that there were ghosts down there. Okay. But, yeah, 25 minutes later, nothing. Um... (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I... Pardon? Which pub? Uh, it was the Little O'Neill's uh, next to the award-winning pasty shop. Um, just off St Mary Street. Do you know which one? Not the big one down the bottom of St Mary Street, but the, the, the small one. The... Opposite what used to be very posh... Uh, the Oangdon Dood, what used to be a very posh fish and chip shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I yeah. should have said if anyone I wants did a, to just I did a gi- and we need something more specific do shout out <laughs> if we're not being specific enough I did a, know, should have mentioned it at the beginning really. I did a gig <laughs> I, did a, I did a gig in New Zealand yeah. and I said that I was Welsh at the, t- at the top and uh, there was a lady from Lampeter at the back and I said are there any Welsh people and she went yes and I, I got a lot of my family from Lampeter and I said uh, I said, where are you from and she went Lampeter and I said um, oh yeah uh, <laughs> I've got a lot of cousins from London. She went, what's the name of the farm? I thought, fabulous. Very niche. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, and she, she used to go with my cousin. It was genuinely incredible. Um, yeah, but I, uh, uh, every time we kissed, uh, he would bite. Very weird. So obviously, I had to, you know, we had to, we had to put that to bed. Uh, <laughs> Have you ever seen uh, Ghostbusters, the film Ghostbusters? I've seen the first one. I, yeah. I, the first two, I haven't seen the, the new female. I've seen, I've seen all of them. Uh, I haven't seen that one. I've seen a lot. I mean, if, if you... Is it, is I've it, is seen it, one, two, and I've seen one, number one and again. What, what's, the new, what's, the, what's the new one, like? The um, reboot? I watched, I watched the original one first. Yeah. It's not that good. What, the 1984 Yeah, it's not Recently good, you watched it. Yeah, I just watched it on Friday. Right. Just get in the mood. Yeah. It's all right, it's not that good. It's not as good as all Two these. is quite disappointing. Not, well, I can't bother to do that one. <laughs> a lot of it's down to Bill Murray being fucking amazing. Yeah. Ironically, Bill Murray is the worst thing in... If you think in, um, that the female Paranormal. Ghostbusters ruined your childhood, yeah. you are a pathetic twat, yeah. is my opinion. <laughs> and I just... I could not believe that stuff online. Well, it, with that, having seen it as well, it's, that's what's yeah. Insane. It's good. It's good. And, and the new film, I think, is, is I good. really cherish that film. <laughs> oh, fuck off! It's, it's, it's a children's film, and it's quite. And it's, a lot of it's quite bad. The new one, I think, is not perfect, but it's as good as the original one. Mm. And what's amazing about it is, just my wife loves it. I mean, loved it so much that she was like a bit Jeremy Corbyn about it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And, uh, but then I kind of realised, and I had a, I discussed it, I said, well, you know, I don't think this is, no, no, it's brilliant, this is all... And then you realise, and then I read an article today about the, there's a bit which, um, where one of the Ghostbusters fights lots of ghosts. I don't think that's giving away <laughs> too much. But you see this woman kick ass, you yeah. know, and you kind of go, and not being sexy and not being, just doing and the it's job. Just a and you kind of just model. think, this is an amazing thing, actually, for, that, uh, as a man, you're never going to quite understand because you've seen that you've had that for yourself your whole life to see a woman just be a, be a person yes. and do the stuff that needs to be done and be kick-ass about it and not be uh, here's my boob though while yeah. I'm doing it and look at my lovely ass I hope is, ghosts uh, like boobs <laughs> <laughs> is just is just an amazing thing to see so you know and I think again with you know having your own children having daughters it's kind of yeah. you go that you want that you want to have this and it's good you know it's funny it's good uh, there's a the only de- bad joke is um, 
where they do this a lot in Hollywood. I talked about this the other week. They just have a joke where oh, Ozzy Osbourne comes on for no reason and says something, and he kind of fuck. And Bill Murray is the second worst thing in it, which is oh really? Yeah, which is an amazing thing because Bill Murray usually is amazing. That role model thing is very interesting because um, I there were no Welsh role models. <laughs> Genuinely, I know it's not the same. <laughs> but, but, but. We either the engine. Yeah, well, exactly. That, that, that is it. So, with, uh, and Neil Kinnock. And so we were like the sort of new Irish. In that we were a sort of a, a, a punchline. Yeah. And then um, there were just some, some good bands when I was about 15. And it completely changed the way I saw. Uh, stuff on it because I think I thought oh, okay well maybe I can give that a go whereas before yeah. it had just been people from London and you think alright then so I assumed I was going to work in my dad's office until like the super free animals came along and then you think oh yeah okay maybe you don't have to have gone to a public school or grown up not in a small town yeah but again, it is not the same. Uh, and I, so I don't want anyone... I think being Welsh is worse than being a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell... <laughs> I'm just going to check your name. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a big round of... I can't read my writing. Ellis James! <laughs> you have been listening to Richard Harris, that's the Scrap Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Ellis James! The music is by Bess. The people we have to thank are... Thank you to everyone who's listened to the series. Do tell your friends if you've enjoyed it. Uh, thank you to everyone at Go Faster Strike for helping us make this series. Thanks to everyone at Les Square Theatre for letting us sit in their theatre to make this series. Thank you to everyone at The British Comedy Guide for hosting this podcast. Thank you to everyone at iTunes for letting us put it on iTunes as well. Thank you for everyone at YouTube for letting us put it on YouTube. Thanks to everyone at Vimeo uh, for letting us put it on Vimeo. You know, it's nice of you to do that. The producer is Ben Walker. He has not produced this bit, though. That is George, the sound man. He's quite good at doing sounds, as long as you're not that bothered about whether you can hear them or not at the end. It is a Sky Potato production. Nobody else, just Sky Potato. Get over it. Deal with it, fuzz, and go past the stripe. It's nothing to do with you. Get out of here. Thank you. Goodbye. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. Gofasterstripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.